You know, we think about Mary. She's more than likely around 14 years old. 14. Pregnant. I mean, just those two words would make a parent's heart sink. What did I miss? Where did I go wrong? But this situation, as you know, was unique. I mean, there might be an explanation for what's going on. Mary is, after all, engaged. I mean, this is a different era. This is a different time. It's a different culture. And she's engaged. However, they find out that the child is not her fiancé's. What do you do? I mean, this is the Middle East. Women had few rights. As a matter of fact, Mary could have been punished. Mary could have been banished. She could have been publicly executed for this shame, for this embarrassment, for this betrayal, not just her reputation, but her family's, her fiancé, his family, and of course during this time, most of all, God. Now when we read about Mary's situation, I think we oftentimes forget how difficult and challenging this would have been. I mean, we're seeing it from the other side. We know how the story ends. Like, we know how things ended up. We know that God had a plan. We know that this is from the Lord. We know that this is Messiah. We know that. But at the time, during this situation, although Mary was getting these moments, these glimpses, these announcements of, of, of what is going on, could you imagine how scared she would have been and how difficult this situation would have been for her and for Joseph? This moment... That from our standpoint, it's a holy moment. It's an amazing moment. But from her standpoint, she could have easily thought that she was cursed. That this is a curse that has come upon her. Until, obviously, the angel explained and she listened. This was actually a moment unlike any other that would change the course of mankind. And God's plan and God's purpose would be fulfilled. Turn to Luke chapter 2 with me. It's in your New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're going to land there for a few moments. We're going to read this traditional Christmas story. And Mary did something in this story that I want us to do. Mary's example, what she did in this moment after the birth of her son, I want us to follow her example. In verse 7, it says that Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds that were staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For I bring you good news and great joy, which will be for all people. 
For today in the city of David has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There will be, this will be a sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, and the shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing which has been told to us from the Lord. So they came in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in a manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which was told to them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at these things that were told by the shepherds. But Mary, and here's the verse I want us to focus on, but Mary treasured all of these things, pondering them in her heart. Other translations say that she treasured all of these things. She, she, she pondered all of these things. And she thought about them often. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and all that they had heard. I want to talk to you today for a few minutes about a moment of reflection. Because this is what Mary did. Mary took a moment and she reflected on all the things that were going on in her life. And things happened pretty quickly. And there was a lot going on during this time in her life. Mary kept all of these things in her heart. She treasured all of these things in her heart. And she thought about them often. This is probably something you and I don't do enough. And that's reflect. I mean, we're so busy. Oftentimes, we don't really reflect. We don't ponder we don't contemplate, we don't meditate on things that are going on in our life. And we need to remember that life isn't just about time, life is about moments. Dr. Seuss says, sometimes you don't know the value of a moment until it becomes a memory. We're busy, we're preoccupied, we're distracted, especially during the Christmas season. There are numerous things that are competing for our time. There are numerous things that are competing for our attention. And many, many times we forget to reflect on life. And this is what Mary had. Mary had this moment of reflection. You see, life isn't just about time. You don't remember every single detail of this past year. You don't remember every single detail of this past month. You don't remember every single detail of this week. But you do remember moments, don't you? And you see, so much was happening for Mary and for Joseph, and she took a moment, and she just had a time of reflection, this holy moment in her life. We're so busy planning the next trip, the next game, the next school function, the next vacation, the next activity, that we very rarely take time to just reflect like Mary did. There's no question that Mary had at the forefront of her mind things that she would have been taught from the time she was a little girl, the scriptures, the Old Testament prophecies of the coming Messiah, things that were written hundreds of years before this date happened. Mary would have known about this holy moment. She would have been familiar with it, but she had no idea that she herself would be at the center of it. 
that she would actually give birth to Messiah. She would have known scriptures like what I put in your notes in Matthew, or excuse me, in Micah chapter 5, written several hundred years before this actually happened. Oh Bethlehem, you are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come to you on my behalf. And she would have known these prophecies like what we read in Isaiah. It says, all right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she'll give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, we're so busy at Christmas and we're so busy in our lives. I want to ask you if you'll do something this season before the end of the year. Maybe tonight, before the chaos ensues tomorrow. Maybe in the morning before everybody wakes up, if you can beat your kids to the living room. Or maybe when the chaos leaves tomorrow night, or maybe the day after. But I want to challenge you to get alone, turn off your phone, and just reflect. Reflect on a couple of things. Reflect on some of the things that Mary did. And these are, are two things that I think Mary reflected on in this moment, in this holy moment. And there are two things that I want to challenge you to reflect on in your life as well. And the first one is this. Reflect on God's presence in your life. I mean, this is the essence of Christmas. This is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is all about God's presence. In Isaiah chapter 7, that verse we just read, written several hundred years before the coming of Messiah, it says you'll call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Back in the chapter before chapter 2 in the book of Luke in chapter 1, the Gabriel angel, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary. And this is what he said. He said, greetings favored woman, the Lord is with you. God is with you. And you might say, well, I'm not Mary. <laughs> and you're right, you're not Mary. But the Bible makes it very clear that if you consider yourself a believer, if you consider yourself a Christian, if you've given your life to Christ, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible says that our bodies are the dwelling place of God's Spirit who is in you. And so that's a massive responsibility. That's an incredible privilege to think that I house God's presence in my life. The psalmist says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? And the idea is you can't. Because God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. You can't escape God's presence. God's presence is what Christmas is all about. And you and I, neither of us, none of us have ever lived one day in this world without the presence of God in our world. Don't forget that you're the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Reflect on that. Thank God for that. That God's presence dwells within you. Christmas is all about God coming to this earth as a human being. In Jesus Christ. Lived a sinless life. Died a horrible death on a cross and rose again so that we could have hope not only in this life but also in the next and you might ask, well, how do I know if I have God's presence in my life? How can I be sure? How do I know that God is inside of me? Now, we know that God's presence 
is in our world because God is everywhere all the time. He's omnipresent. God is everywhere all the time. However, personally, in our individual lives, God's presence is by invitation only. By invitation only. God does not force his way into your life. We know this because God gave us the ability to choose or reject. We have a free will. God designed us with a free will. And the reality is love is not truly love unless that love has a choice. Love is not love unless it has a choice. So forced devotion is not true devotion. Forced commitment is not true commitment. Forced love is not true love. So God created us with the ability to choose. That's why the Bible says things like this, that God stands at the door and he knocks. And if anyone opens the door and lets them in, that God will come in. And they will have fellowship together. The Bible also says, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah, God says, call to me and I will answer. In the New Testament, God says, draw near unto me and I'll draw near unto you. We see this idea of invitation throughout the Bible where each of us have a decision to make and each of us have a choice to make. Even though God is everywhere all the time, do we want God in our lives personally? You see, you're going to go home tonight and you're going to have presents under the tree. Hopefully, some of them have your name on them, right? And you see, those presents were given to you and they're intended for a certain reason. They're for you. But if you don't open those gifts, if you just leave them under, a, under, a, under the tree unopened, they're not going to fulfill their intended purpose. And you see, God has given the invitation to all of us, every single one of us, no matter who we are, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter what our journey looks like, God is, has an open invitation for us to accept his presence into our lives. And so you ask yourself, how do I know if I have God's presence in my life? Well, have you ever asked? Have you ever received God's presence? The Bible says at the very end of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, we have this grand invitation. And it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this, come. Let anyone who's thirsty, come. Notice the choice. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. You see, these invitations are throughout the scriptures. Being a part of God and God being a part of us. And so let me ask you this, this Christmas season. Have you ever accepted the invitation of God's presence in your life? Have you ever invited God's presence into your life? And you say, well, how do I do that? Ask and you'll receive. Knock and the door will be open. All you have to do is ask, God, I accept your presence in my life. And I want to live my life, not for me, but for you. This grand invitation. And so there's no doubt that Mary reflected on God's presence because she birthed God in the flesh, God with us. The second thing that I think Mary would have reflected on 
are all of the blessings in her life, all of the good things in her life. In Luke chapter 1, verse 28, the angel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. There's a lady that I used to know that, that was uh, a part of my church, and, and every time I would ask her how she's doing, she would always respond like this, Blessed and highly favored, Pastor. Every time I would ask her, how are you doing? She'd say, I'm blessed and highly favored. Let me ask you this. Do you see yourself as blessed? Do you see yourself as highly favored? Do you see yourself as blessed by God, as favored by God? It seems like these days we're almost programmed to be discontent in life. We're programmed to want more. We fall for the lies so much of consumerism and our life is this and it's not that and we want to be happier than happy. And then we see everybody's perfect lives on Instagram and Facebook and we compare them to our what we think are, are boring lives and it just exasperates the situation. And we forget about all the good things, all the blessings that God has given us in our lives. Most of us have actually more than we probably need. And at some point, we have to stop trying to be happier and happy and just be thankful for God's blessings in our life. Like I mentioned earlier, Mary being pregnant without being married would have been a huge burden and potentially very dangerous for her. But Mary was able to see the good. Mary knew that God had a plan and that somehow this was going to be a blessing in her life. Matter of fact, Mary went to visit her cousin Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1. And if you've never read verses 46 through 55, you should read it. I'm not going to take the time to do so, but a couple of things that Mary said are really amazing. Remember her perspective. Remember the difficulties that she could have been in. And Mary says this, My soul praises the Lord. My soul rejoices in God my Savior. For he took a lowly servant girl, and now all generations are going to call me blessed. This could have been a curse. She could have seen it as a curse, but she sees it as a blessing. For the mighty one is holy, and he's done great things for you, for me. Mary's statement is incredible. Her situation was difficult, and she could have been in deep trouble. I mean, what's her defense? Have you ever thought about that? Um, I'm pregnant. I didn't do anything wrong. It's not my fiance's. It's nobody else's. It's God's. Yeah, right. And yet this was the situation. This was all her defense was. And yet Mary sees herself as blessed. In verse 48, she says she's blessed. This is an incredible mindset because oftentimes we're programmed to focus on the bad things in our life. To allow negativity to dominate our minds. And we often allow these things to imprint our minds and we often miss all of the blessings because all we see is the bad. We see the mistakes that we've made. We, we focus on the regret and the things that we wish we would have done and the things that we would change. And we miss all of the blessings that God has in our lives. And I want to challenge you to take time to reflect on the blessings, not the mistakes, not the difficulties, but the blessings in your life. I love what John Gordon says. He's a leadership guru. He says, you can either listen to yourself or you can talk to yourself. And that is so true. Most of the time when we listen to ourselves, it's negativity. But when we talk to ourselves and we say, you know what, this is going to be a great year. 
I'm going to take territory. I'm going to live in victory. I'm not going to live in the past and regret and all the difficulties and struggles, but I'm going to be thankful for the things that God's blessed me with my life. You see, when we focus on our blessings, it changes us. Because we all have regrets. We all have disappointments. We all need redos. We can learn from our mistakes, but they don't have to define us. They're bruises. They're not tattoos. And we have to have the mindset that we're either succeeding or we're learning. Because when we mess up, it's a learning experience. It's amazing what happens when we quit focus on, focusing on all the negativities and all the difficulties and we focus on the blessings. It changes us. Because we are able to be a blessing to others like Mary. After all, Mary submitted to God's plan and because she did, despite the difficulties that could have ensued, we end up being blessed. Mary could have easily allowed her difficult circumstances to get the best of her, but she didn't. Because she just didn't focus on herself, she focused on God's plan and being a blessing to others. Matter of fact, when the angel first told Mary in Luke chapter 1 that she was going to conceive a child while being a virgin, the Bible says that she was confused and disturbed. Yeah. She was confused and disturbed. She could have easily unraveled, but she didn't because she knew that God had a plan. And I want to challenge you today. Focus on the blessings in your life. Focus, in, focus on the good things in your life. Focus on starting afresh. Don't focus on your mistakes and the things that have happened to you and the difficulties and sometimes maybe the way people treat you. Focus on good things in your life. You know, oftentimes when I pray, this is what I pray. I pray, God, thank you so much for your provision in my life. Because I get to wake up to every single day what a lot of people around the world have to beg for every day. I wake up and I know I'm going to have food. I know I'm going to have clothing. I know I'm going to have shelter. I wake up and I have health and I have safety. And I have good people in my life and I have good family. There are people all over the world that beg for the things that most of us wake up to every single day without even asking. We are so blessed. And it's so good to reflect on those blessings in our life. My youngest son, Stephen, I know he loves when I tell stories about him. He used to tell me, he doesn't do it very much anymore, if at all. Hopefully I've worked it out of him. Uh, but he used to tell me all the time, Dad, I have bad luck. I have bad luck. And I used to tell him every single time, there's no such thing as bad luck. You don't have bad luck. There's no such thing as bad luck. You see, this mindset of thinking that we have bad luck is just focusing on the negativity in our lives. And we miss all of the blessings. And I would tell you the same thing. You don't have bad luck. There's no such thing as bad luck. God has great things in store for us. And we're either succeeding or we're learning. God never wastes a hurt. God can use whatever difficulties come our way and turn it into a blessing. So let me ask you this. What blessings are you thankful for? This Christmas, I want to challenge you to reflect on God's presence in your life. And if you haven't asked 
for God to fill you with his presence, ask him today. And then I want us to focus like what we see Mary doing, focusing on the blessings in our lives and be grateful for that. Before we move into the candlelight portion, I thought it would be so appropriate for us to remember what Jesus has done for us, to reflect on the price that was paid for you and for me. Because this is what communion represents. Communion represents what Jesus did for us. His presence in our world. The wafer or the bread represents his body that he freely gave for us. And the juice, the cup, is a representation of his blood that was shed for us. The ultimate sacrifice for our sins. The the final sacrifice And this Christmas, there's not a better time than to reflect and thank the Lord for what he has done for us. If you didn't receive communion when you walked in, some of our staff are making their way around and they'll, if you just lift up your hand, they'll bring it to you if you didn't receive it when you walked in. If you'll peel back this first layer, contains the wafer of the bread and if you'll hold on to that we're going to pray together in a moment and then we'll eat together we'll share together but this represents this is a representation of Jesus's body that was nailed to a cross for you and for me you see Christmas is about his birth but every day really is about the redemption that we have the forgiveness that we have because of what Jesus did for us. Because literally he was born to die for us. And so let's ask the Lord to bless this and then we'll share together. Father, thank you so much. We reflect and we say thank you for your presence, for your blessings. Thank you for what this bread represents fact that every single person in this room is significant. Every single person in this room was worth dying for. And every single person in this room is loved by you. Because you spread your arms out and you died for the world. Not just the religious people. Not just the people that live good lives. But you did it for all of us pray that you bless us today as we share together. Let's eat together. Peel back the bottom layer. It contains the juice. And the juice is a representation of that ultimate sacrifice that Jesus made for us. It represents his blood that was shed for us. And the Bible tells us without it, There is no forgiveness of sins. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, Jesus died for us knowing that we've sinned, knowing that we will sin, and knowing that we will continue to sin. Knowing all of that, he still chose to die for us. You see, perfection is not the key. Accepting Jesus' sacrifice is the key. Let's ask the Lord to bless us. Father, thank you for what
what this cup represents. And this Christmas, we reflect on that incredible sacrifice that you made for each and every one of us. We say thank you and we remember. We reflect today. Let's drink together. close service out today with a candlelight service. My wife is going to join me on stage wherever she's at. There she is. This is her favorite thing to do, I'm sure. Thank you. And what I would ask you to do, if you'll stand up and we're going to outline, if you go stand along the walls, the back, the front, if we need to make two circles, first service we had to make two circles, it's okay. If you just stand there, our staff will be in all four corners of this building and will hand out um, the candles. And so if you'll just go to one of the four corners, they will give you a candle. And then if everybody just gets in a big circle, we're going to read some scripture here in just a moment, and then we're going to sing a song. So if you will, when your candle is lit, if you will light the, can- the person's the candle next to yours, that would be amazing.
joining us today. If you will blow out your candles um, here in just a second, there, if you'll place them back in the containers, we have one more service to go. And also hang out. We have cookies and refreshments and all kinds of snacks outside. God bless you guys. Uh, Merry Christmas. Nora and I love you guys and appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll see you soon. God bless you. Hello, thank you so much for tuning in to New Hope this week. You know, the church doesn't stop when the video does. And make sure that you share this with a friend. You can even support what we're doing via the Give button here on the left. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss a single Sunday. And we cannot wait to see you this week, either in person or online. Have a great day.